Heyo, welcome to Repeater. A little show about big songs. Evan, high five. Pat, okay. Nice. We're here with episode five of Repeater. And if it's your first time listening, Repeater is a talk show that we record in Queens, where we live, like a couple of ugly Bettys. Each episode, we talk with a guest about a song that means a lot to them. After we interview our guests, a musician covers the song and plays a tune of their own. Sometimes, like on this episode, the guest and the musician are the same person. Yeah, which is extra cool. Our guest for this episode is New York-based musician Ivan Anderson. He's an electric guitarist by trade, but stripped down to a one-man acoustic act just for us. Stripped down to a one-man acoustic act to play a mashup, no less. This show never ceases to amaze me. We can only hope that you at home enjoy it as much as we do. Thanks for listening. This is Repeater. Please welcome to the stage. We have writer and musician Ivan Anderson. Give it up. Welcome. Guitar in hand. Hi, everybody. How's it going? Hey, man. Hey. Say hello to the folks. Hi. Uh, (laughs) Cool. So, Ivan, uh, you are a writer and musician here in New York City. That's right. Yeah, I live very close. Yeah, how close? Like, Two blocks. Wow. Ooh, so also a neighbor. Yes. A neighbor, yeah. That's right. To QED here in the QED, yeah. I'm, root- I'm rooting for you guys. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks. We live one block from here. Okay. Uh, for anyone that doesn't know, Pat and I live together. Adorable. Isn't it? <laughs> and we host this show in our backyard. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so, Ivan, one of the things we like to do uh, every time we do this show is we like to tell people something we've been listening to recently. Yeah, okay. So we'll start with Pat so that you can All think right. about it a Thanks little bit longer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Pat, what's been going on? Uh, what have I been listening to? Um, so I watched Jaws last week, and for whatever reason, I got home and I was like, mm, I'm going to start listening to a lot of Jamiroquai. So, <laughs> sure. I don't know, but it's been a dance party in my apartment, and I love it. <laughs> I didn't get the invite, man. <laughs> I was playing it pretty loud. <laughs> Uh, what do, wait, so what do you think of his hats? Are you okay or not okay with the hats? I think I just let them be because uh-huh. I like the music so Same. much. That's my position. Yeah. yeah. Like the hats are fine. It's the headdresses. And I'm like, this feels weird. Yeah. But. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's like a sensible position <laughs> on the hats. Do you have a stronger thought on his hats? Um, <laughs> it's the same. It's like, I really like Jamiroquai music. Like I totally buy it like top to bottom. Yeah. Um, and I think he's cool for the most part. Like he'll just like do his little moves and I'm like, yeah. that's it's like a cool guy. But the hats are sometimes like, I don't, maybe it's like way cooler than me or way less cool. <laughs> like, I don't know which direction it is, but it's like remote from my sure. understanding of cool. I think that's a lot of stuff. That's cool. Right. Is like, yeah, or not. Cool. It's either very uncool. <laughs> if you, it's like super uncool if you can't pull it off. Yeah, it's super cool if you can't pull it off. Yeah, and I, but is he pulling it off? Sometimes uh-huh. I don't know. Like when I'm listening to the record, he's pulling it off. Because <laughs> you're not looking at him. <laughs> yeah, right. And then one of the videos is good. Virtual Insanity video yeah. is good. And in that, it's like the hat. I, if I was like, if I was the guy on that video, I'd be like, get that fucking hat off your head. But 
seeing the finished product, maybe I would have been wrong. I don't, I don't yeah. know. I hear that. Okay. Cool. Uh, lately, I've been listening to, um, and I don't have a really good reason why. I've been listening to Drake's new album, Views. Yeah. Um, and I can't say I'm a Drake fan uh, or that up on music usually. <laughs> but uh, the, like the day, the week it came out, somebody on my softball team, I play softball, uh, was just like, we were talking about it. And then she was like, oh yeah, here's a Dropbox link and texted it to me. So it's just the most recent thing I've downloaded and I've listened oh, to. Oh, so it's like bunch. not out yet? It's like only no, Dropboxable? No, no, no. It's oh, out, okay, but right. she just had a download link. Oh, okay. Um, so that's like not important at all. No, I just meant that that's like <laughs> how I got it. No one had to like, right. no one had to hand okay, it to me or anything it. like I that. Thought, okay. I just want to endorse Dropbox, guys. It's a really great uh, <laughs> cloud storage service. Okay. Um, you know, it's just Maybe fantastic. Maybe sponsor us now. Maybe, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it's, um, it's okay. Um, for sure, it's an okay album, but not uh-huh. great. I think the best, my favorite thing is the album cover. I don't know if anyone's familiar with the album cover, but it's uh, it's Drake like sitting up on top of the CN Tower in downtown Toronto, just looking out over his city that I think he thinks he owns. Um, <laughs> and it's been like memed a lot that uh-huh. in ways that I just have found very funny. It's like whenever you want to be sad about something, you just put little Drake sitting on top of something. Uh, so that's been part of the enjoyment of listening okay. to it. Sorry, so what do you think is better? Is the Drake album or Dropbox? Dropbox. <laughs> Dropbox is better. <laughs> I honestly think Dropbox is going to be a more long-lasting okay. institution in our right. culture than, uh, than Drake's but, Okay, but there's also Google Drive, which is kind of like, do you need Dropbox? Yeah. I don't know. Dropbox came first. Uh, Drive, I would argue, is better. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Okay, now this is this is sorry, the this sorry. is the views uh, and I don't know what comparable album debate. Uh, yeah, but for cloud storage. Okay, is it my turn? Yeah, you can go. All right, so uh, the band Wolfpack, you know uh, those yeah. guys. All right, I'm listening to them mm-hmm. a lot. Um, so they're like these young guys who do like mostly instrumental music that I guess is sort of funk, but it's kind of like it's also just like perfect music. It's nice. really good. Yeah. I mean, they, they're like a little intimidating to me because they're like so young and so good. I'm a little bit like, oh, I wish this was a little worse. <laughs> How younger, I didn't realize they were like I don't know. I mean, they're people. like in their 20s. I mean, yeah. yeah. They are really but, good. But they figured out and they're like weird and they're like comfortable being like weird and that, you know? Yeah. So they're, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're like, I feel like they just figured it out. Yeah, I agree. Definitely if you don't know Wolfpack, I would say check them out. They're yeah. Really, really they were good. on Colbert recently. Oh, really? Yeah, they're, they're just doing it. Yeah, that's pretty rad. Yeah. How do you spell that name? Is it V? It's V U L F P E C K. I actually, I guess I don't love the name, I guess, because when you say, <laughs> when you like talk about them and people yeah. haven't heard of them, it's like, what are you saying? Wolf Pack. It's like not my favorite thing to have to explain. <laughs> yeah. But they're yeah. good. So I'm, good. I'm willing to absorb that for them. Yeah. It's their Jamiroquai <clears throat> hat. <laughs> yeah, it's right. It's their Jamiroquai. I think, yeah, but um, I think they might be better than Jamiroquai. Ooh. Yeah. Give them give many more years. But, yeah, I mean, I like Jamiroquai. Yeah. Sure, but, sure. But I kind of feel like Wolfpack is like, um, is this feeling I have of like next level shit coming off of Wolfpack yeah. like yeah, strongly. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Jamiroquai I feel like is like, that's really good. But I get uh-huh. it. Okay. I don't know. I'm, I've, ne- I've never been like taken outside myself by Jamiroquai. <laughs> like, even the hats. Like that's weird, but I don't really feel like my sure. consciousness was ever expanded by the hat. 
<laughs> Whereas like Wolfpack weirdness, like you just have to check them out. They have their weird little ideas, and those to me are consciousness expanding. Yeah, nice. You know, somebody has been taken out of themselves by Jimmy yes. Kwai's hat, right? Yeah. <laughs> like somebody yeah. saw that and was just like, "That's my thing." I never realized it until right yeah, now. Yeah, not me though. Yeah, not yeah, me. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, it doesn't have to be you, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can accept that. <laughs> I can accept that. Um, cool, cool. So that's that's our little roundup of what we've been listening to. Ivan, what's the song that you wanted to talk about? Okay, so the song I picked is a mashup. It's um, it's Imagine by John Lennon, but uh, the vocals instead of John Lennon is Jump by Van Halen, and <laughs> so it's David Lee Ross' isolated vocal track has just been plunked right on top of Imagine by John Lennon. Um, and I deliberately did not research who did this. Right. It's like I found it on YouTube years mm-hmm. ago. Yeah. It's like by someone named Magic Mike, maybe. Mighty Mike. <laughs> but I, did, I didn't look this up because I've like spent so much time in my whole life thinking about David Lee Roth and John Lennon that I wanted there to be like some mystery still sure. intact about this whole thing. So I don't really yeah. know. I'm sorry that I'm like not giving more credit to whoever's responsible for the Imagine Jump mashup, but I had to not know. I mean, it was probably just the two of them in the room doing it, right? <laughs> yeah, well, right. Okay. It was their secret super group. <laughs> yeah, well, so the thing about the song is that like it actually just works. Like it sounds yeah. like either of those songs could have been written this way. Yeah. Right. Like more like, I mean, mashups on the internet are kind of a dime a dozen. Right. I mean, there's like a bunch and they're all kind of like a cheap thrill, I think. And like they're funny and whatever. Yeah. But I think and I'm prepared to argue <laughs> in depth on this point that like something about this song is like more than a mashup. There's some yeah. sort of like cosmic message that I think is being beamed to us. <laughs> I don't know from where, but like there's something here that needs to be taken seriously and yeah. considered in depth. Yeah, because yeah, it does work. It, it like surprisingly works well. Um, cause you're right. There are some mashups where it's clearly just like, well, the songs are in the same key. So they, uh, did yeah, right. Like, yeah. And it's kind of funny, I guess, but this one like really works. Oh yeah. No, it works. And, and it's beautiful too. Now. So first of all, I just want to say, I like some people, I think like ironically love jump or some bullshit like that. <laughs> and like, I just want to say very emphatically right now that I, that's not my relationship with Jump at all. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I think that song is like completely a masterpiece. Personally, I actually think it's superior to Imagine, but that's like a personal thing. Yeah. I'm, I can tolerate disagreement on mm-hmm. that sure. point. Um, but right, so part of this is not like, wow, you took one good song and one bad song or two bad songs and put it, this is like two fucking great songs. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then together somehow is this third new thing. It's so, kind of, you know, divine, I think. So you just, you found this on YouTube and it spoke to you. Yeah, I found it on YouTube and I was a little bit like, okay, here we go again. And then I heard it and I was like, wow, this is like um, confirming a lot of my deepest superstitions about why, <laughs> why both of those songs were like good in the first place. Yeah. It was sort of this, like I said, it, it felt like it was a message to me. Yeah. So, uh what like dig into that a little bit in terms of no in terms yes, of um, yes okay <laughs> the two the like you already liked both of those songs yeah right both those artists yeah yeah okay so I think I mean I feel like um I feel like I have to work a little less hard 
with Imagine. Like, I feel like people get Imagine maybe more. I might be wrong. I might be underestimating how hip everybody is with Jump, but <laughs> I kind of feel like everyone just is ready for Imagine to be the song. Like, John Lennon is obviously a genius. Phil Spector produced it. Yeah. You know, blah, blah, blah. And then the other thing, too, is like, um, I do have a lot of respect for the fact that that song is kind of this, like, anthem for, like, secular humanism. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like, what if we were just good because we could be, not because there was a God. And, like, I think that's actually not a super easy song thing to write a song about. Like, yeah. how are you going to write a song? It's like, rationality. Like, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like not a lyric. It's like not something you can, like, pin a lyric on. But yeah, yeah. that John Lennon did it because he's a, you know, he's a genius. So we have this song that's just about, like, what if we could just be our best selves for the sake of it and short and it's beautiful, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So then meanwhile, right, with Jump, I actually kind of think, like, Jump was also a song that did that. In a different way. Like, people make fun of, like, can't you see me standing here? I got my back against the record machine. Oh, can't you see what I mean? And some people are like, I don't see what he means. That song is meaningless. (laughs) 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 But, and I've heard people say it, but I kind of feel like that's just dumb. Like, you got to work for a second here. Just give it a chance. Give the song, like, a chance. Like, I think David Lee Roth is, like, saying a lot of stuff. I mean, I, I, I love David Lee Roth, but I also think, like, Okay, so I'm going to back up for a second. So, Do like, it. I'm not, like, I'm not what I consider, like, totally a sunshine person. Mm-hmm. Like, you just got to have to go with me on this. Like, I feel like some people are sunshine people. It's like the sun is out there in a good mood and they, like, play frisbee or whatever. And, like, that's not, like, <laughs> automatically my response to sunshine. I'm a lot of times I'm, like, don't want the sun to be out. Don't want to go outside. Don't want to play frisbee. Mm-hmm. Life is hard and complicated. But um, the music of David Lee Roth, like, makes me a sunshine person. Like, mm. I hear it, and I'm like, I get I get it. The sun is out. That's beautiful. Yeah. Like, I see it. I understand it. So, <laughs> so I'm, like, grateful to David Lee Roth for, like, bringing me into that world despite my, like, deep agitation. So that's that. And Jump, to me, is, like, just the song that does that. Like, right. yeah. the beginning of Jump is, like, pure joy. Mm-hmm. It just starts. It's like, thank you for that. And then it's like, <laughs> and then it just starts. And he's like, can't you see me standing here? I got my back against the record. And he's like, I see that. That's dope. It's like, he says that. And I see David Lee Roth in the record machine. He's standing there. That's cool. Yeah. And then he's like, can you see what I mean? Like, yes, I see it. And like, I take the plunge. Right. So to me, that whole thing, it's like a love letter to life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And I feel like imagine is kind of that. It's like a love letter to life, even if that's all there is. And David Roth is like, yeah, I get that, but I'm just going to add a little bit of sex appeal to that whole idea. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. So, um, right. So I kind of feel like those songs and it were like doing, had, kind of had the same thing, right? Like John Lennon was the sort of more political, like spiritual statement of the idea. But then David Lee Roth was just like, if you've ever had a boner, this is like the musical equivalent of that feeling uh-huh. and then maybe that's a good reason to be alive like right. how about yeah. just that just that by itself right so to me jump is like musically doing that and Love imagine that. is like maybe sort of more cerebrally like right. maybe more intellectually doing it so the, so then you put them on top of each other and I'm like <laughs> of course yeah, like of course, course yeah, yeah. yeah it just goes together really and bad. if it hadn't that would have like dismantled this whole major religion i created for myself so <laughs> right. when it worked that was like a big relief yeah you're me. making me rethink every mashup i've listened to <laughs> and enjoyed because now i'm just like they don't there's no religion there yeah right it I just know. sounds kind of good i agree yes yeah i agree 
Yeah, or the idea of like like can two songs that maybe are incredibly different seem or seemingly uh, can their messages be similar enough to actually link the the mashup? You know, yeah, something like that. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's kind of doomed because when you take two completely different songs and then those get mashed up, it's like, okay, you made it work. It seemed like it would have been hard. Now it's not. It's, it's, it's like, like clever. Yeah, it's like yeah, a shitty magic trick where it's yeah. like, okay, you made it disappear. I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> like, I don't care that you did it, right? Yeah. And then when they're the same and you mash them up, then it's like, well, duh. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of like, I don't, I don't need... I feel like we got more mashups than we need. Like on YouTube, there's like 40 trillion sure. mashups. I don't yeah. know who asked for that many mashups. It wasn't me. Now we have Just them. The internet. Yeah. yeah, right. Now we yeah. have them and it's kind of worthless. But there's this one. <laughs> there's this one that I think is justifies it. There is there is a Fugazi and Destiny's Child mashup uh-huh. that I love. And I love it for a very different reason. Like it's Fugazi talking about like low income housing in DC yes, good. and Destiny's Child talking about being an independent woman. So maybe, maybe I haven't actually thought this through that far. <laughs> no, but um, let's do, let's do it right now. Let's just let's, figure well, it out let's right dig now. Let's into that right now, Pat. I'll let me finish my first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Cause I saw that road and I'm like, Oh man, that's going to get intense. Um, but like the thing that it did for me was just like, cause I found that in, I don't know when, when YouTube first came out, and uh, the thing that that did for me was just sort of introduce me to Destiny's Child in a way where I was like, oh, no, this is really good. I just needed the right context to get oh, into it. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, because they just took the baseline from the Fugazi song and put that into Independent Woman. I was like, this is amazing. Um, but I've never thought about, like, the geopolitical status of that mashup. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I can right now. <laughs> it seems so heavy all of a sudden. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> The weight of the world is on your shoulders. Um, Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. Uh, It's making me think of, so earlier today, Pat sent me this article uh, online. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, from about uh, the 10th anniversary of Girl Talk's first album, right? Um, But a lot of what they talked about was how mashups have like been this sort of thing running in parallel but particularly Girl Talks album, running in parallel with how people listen to music right now. Oh, um, okay. Um, and consume media. Yeah. Uh, but that idea that we're all very flighty and we like can't focus on one thing for long enough. Because I do remember when Girl Talk came out, there was a novelty to like how much he would put into one mashup, right? Yeah. That was like a big part of it. Whereas up until that point, it was really always about two songs. It was about one song mm-hmm. and another song. Um, the good old days of mashups. Yeah. But now I really like you say mashup and it almost sounds like a dirty word uh, because like we've now gotten so many of them and we've gotten somebody like girl talk and probably a million copycats who have put 31 tracks in one song. Yeah. Well, I also, I don't know anything about where girl talk has been or what, what he's doing or like, is he what's happening? Like, I don't know. Is girl I assume talk just in DJs. the world? Is he a really DJ? Know. Is he like, is that working out for him or like, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I remember that I was in college when, like, the yeah. Cruel Talk record happened, mm-hmm. and it was, like, a sensation. And then I was like, okay, thanks for that. And then yeah. and now it's, like, that was, like, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So then, like, what? I don't know anything that's happened since, like, nine and a half years ago <laughs> with Cruel Talk. But well, that could I be me. That could be my own ignorance. I'm not, I'm not, well, I, I don't mean to, like, disrespect. One, I think he was probably just one of those guys that, like, he had that massive success super quick. Right. And then everybody just, I don't know. 
got annoyed or overwhelmed with how much music was in one song. And I don't know. I mean, like with Twitter and Facebook and everything or YouTube where you get so many mashups or you just have media being thrown at you like every second of the day. Like, I think that definitely wore off. Yeah. And I remember being a little bit, this is not a reflection of girl talk, but just what was happening when that record came out and I was in college it was a little bit like count, like who, who can identify all the samples? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was a little bit like, Oh, I hate, uh, I hate this because <laughs> like, like I grew up being like the guy who gives a fuck about music. Yeah. But then it's like, you get to college and you meet like all these other people who gave a fuck. And then it's like, oh, I just, I just want to enjoy this. But like, either, so who gives the most of a fuck? Cause right. I, it better be me. But then what if I can't name all the samples? Right. So then it's like, maybe I should, maybe was wrong in the very, like a long time ago to just pin my whole identity. on being the guy who gives a fuck. (laughs) Maybe maybe it's time to rethink that. Yeah. Or maybe like just fuck girl talk and I resent the whole thing and I don't want to rethink (laughs) it. So yeah, it could be both. It could be both. So I, and I never really developed any of those thoughts. So, I just kind of tuned out girl talk and I was like, I'm going to put my head down. I'm going to wait for this to be over. <laughs> and you then, made it. Yeah. Right. And then maybe someday when we'll go back to talking about Van Halen, I'll just win that game like 10 times and feel <laughs> yeah. good about myself again. And then. Right. You know. <laughs> well, I think a, a good point that that article made and just uh, with having some distance from that girl talk album. Yeah. Because it was so much and every, you're right. Everybody was so like, that's this sample. Yeah, that's right. From that's this. 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 That's this pitched up. It's like, yeah. how do you, first of all, how do you know that? Um, but, uh, and I think it goes to the mashup that you picked really well, uh, was that um, the thing that maybe him and the other DJs that were doing it uh, started really blurring the lines between what kind of music could be mixed with each other. You're good. I'm trying to get my it's water bottle. Right. I need like a better plan for getting down to the water <laughs> <laughs> That was like, every time it's been like kind of touch and go and that time was really bad. So. Well, you got it. You did. I got it this time. But what am I going to do next time? Stay tuned. Kick down the stool. Um, yeah, the point that they ended up making was just that it sort of helped blur lines between genres. So like, it isn't weird that Paul McCartney and Kanye West did a song together. But like when, what was that? The Grey album came out that, uh, mm-hmm. who did that? That was Jay-Z and the Beatles, right? Yeah. Oh, but it was, uh, it was Danger Mouse, right? Yeah. 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 And, uh, yes. but yeah, but like Wasn't when. It, was Danger Mouse the guy who was then Gnarls Barkley with CeeLo? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That was Grey yes. album, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. But like when that first came out, everybody was like, oh, it's the Beatles. You can't do anything the Beatles. But now it's, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's commonplace, but it's nice that that kind of thing can happen. Oh, yeah. Well, so do you guys know, you guys know Pat Metheny? You guys like mm-hmm. hang with jazz at Pat all? Metheny trio. Yeah, Pat yeah. Metheny jazz yeah. guitar player. All right, so he's just like the king of jazz guitar. And like, I forget when this was, maybe like 10 years ago, maybe longer, Kenny G did this thing where he uh, he like recorded a solo over a Louis Armstrong track. Uh-huh. Mm. Um, and Pat Metheny wrote this thing on his website that was super long. <laughs> where he just like dicked down Kenny G <laughs> and said that that was like the worst thing anyone could ever do. And he yeah. called like Kenny G a necrophiliac. And he said like anyone who's ever thought for five seconds <laughs> about why jazz is cool would understand that this is like a huge no, no, this is like offensive to everything that music is about. Yeah. And then meanwhile, he also like in the middle of the whole thing, he just did this like super jazz 
like surgical takedown of Kenny G's identity as a musician. It was like, in the, <laughs> I remember in the beginning, like I would hear Kenny G do these like pentatonic bullshit. And he was like kind of just full of clams. And that was just then. And he's like, anyway, the point of the story is like Pat Metheny just like let it out. Yeah. And like took down Kenny G. And what he had done was he had like, did, I guess it was a mashup in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, where he just put himself over a Louis Armstrong recording. And then I, you know, made probably a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and Pat Metheny, who's like, if you ever see him talking about anything else, he's like this timid, likable dude from the Midwest. <laughs> who's like, I'm, you know, I'm just a jazz musician, blah, blah, blah. But that was the thing that like put Pat Metheny into beast mode. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it was like this mashup was the thing where it's like, oh, the gloves are coming off soon. So, you know, yeah. it's a big deal, I guess. Like, I yeah, guess yeah. the stakes are high. That's fascinating. He's, I would never expect Pat Metheny to take to like a blog to express anger like that. <laughs> yeah, rad. I mean, it was just sort of fat. I, I wanted to, I wanted to kind of be like, what are other things that make you mad? Like this is <laughs> this is interesting. I I love reading why Kenny G sucks. Like yeah. anything else you have to give. Keep I'll it ta- coming. Ta- yeah, like do you have an opinion about the Jamiroquai hats? Like is that. <laughs> Is that cool or not cool? Tell me what's cool, Pat Metheny. Oh, that would be a good thing for him to weigh in on. Yeah. You should email this podcast like <laughs> yeah. Pat Metheny at Gmail. We have many questions for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But back to something Pat was talking about. Uh, like, what's your um, kind of thoughts on genre? Oh, okay. Uh, you? <laughs> I mean, I guess... I guess I don't really take them that seriously, really. I mean, I, I so I think like, um, okay, I guess I, I sort of think maybe that like there, there are useful differences between like classical, jazz, and pop. Sure. And I kind of think rock and pop are sort of the same thing. I know that's like alarming to some people, but I kind of think rock and pop are like kind of the same. Mm-hmm. And then like jazz is like, there are like maybe legitimate reasons why jazz is kind of different. Mm-hmm. And there may be legitimate reasons why like classical is kind of different. Um, and maybe that's it. Okay. But then, I mean, but then like, you know, I don't know world music. Like, I don't know anything about that. So yeah. that's probably different. Maybe it's not, I'm, I don't want to sound stupid. I just don't know anything about like, yeah. So what's everything um, else. Let's like, get to know your musical background, but like you've been a musician for years. Yeah. Right. right. So I started playing guitar when I was like, I guess, you know, 12 or 13 or something like mm-hmm. that. I mean, so back then it was obvious that like, there was this thing called like hard rock specifically that like ruled my world. Mm-hmm. Right. Like Van Halen, Jimi Hendrix, like it was sort of classic rock. Like that was kind of yeah, yeah. like, if I could just sound like that and be that. And there was this like, you know, this hot lava and this like force to it that as like a teenage boy was like, you know, something I aspired to having <laughs> yeah, and being able to control. Yeah. Um, so it kind of started there, I guess. Um, but, you know, then it was just like a million other things that are cool, that are musical. And I would start to hear the same, I would hear like the same kind of force in, like in other places, mm-hmm. like funk, that rhythm guitar playing to me, once I noticed it had like the same kind of charisma as like the guitar solo. Yeah. yeah. You know? And so then I was like, oh, that counts. That's in. And my dad is obsessed with Pat Metheny. That's why I know about Pat Metheny. Okay. So like that was like, okay, that's cool. He used to listen to it so much that I thought like my dad had written Pat Metheny's albums. Like <laughs> when I was, was your a, dad a musician. No, but he was, 
My dad was an architect. He okay. is an architect, but he listens to Pat Metheny so much that like when I was a kid, I would hear Pat Metheny and be like, that's my dad's record. <laughs> like my dad just made that probably. Right. Um, that's like a, you thinking very highly of your father. That's really cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean like, I wish like I heard like an album on that I liked in my house and was like, man, I bet my mom or my dad did that. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's yeah, I such, guess, like a nice association yeah, right. to have with someone in your home. <laughs> So, I mean, part of this is because my dad introduced me to Jimi Hendrix, which mm-hmm. was like the whole thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then my dad also introduced me to The Simpsons when I was a kid. And that was like the other whole thing. <laughs> yeah. That's and so, other. when I was a little kid, I just thought like my dad has cool taste. And like, <laughs> I realized later that's like exactly the opposite conception that everyone else has about the cool taste in their parents. I had it like totally reversed. <laughs> like when I was a little kid, I just assumed like stuff my dad likes is probably going to be cool because Jimi Hendrix yeah. was good and The Simpsons was yeah. good. And I was like, everything that reminds me of either of those two things is good. So yeah. that's basically why I thought my dad <laughs> created the music of Pat Metheny. Yeah. That's as much as I can explain it. I love that. That's I thought wonderful. you were going to say that was the opposite conception that other people had of your dad. Like <laughs> you learned later that people thought your dad was a square, but you thought he was super cool. I don't, I don't, I suspect people think my dad is pretty cool. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I mean, I might be wrong, cool but I suspect like my dad is maybe just cooler than me. Like yeah. it's maybe it's maybe I've it's gotten away from me at this point and it's like I have to rein back in my dad's coolness. It's like yeah. out of control, maybe. <laughs> it's possible. Yeah. I think a lot of people like maybe in our generation had uh cool dads, like uh-huh. cool moms, right? Because like they grew up in, in an era of rock and roll. Like the kind of classic rock that you're describing as being hot lava. Oh, to yeah, a teenager, right. Yeah, right. That's yeah. like when they were teenagers, Yeah, like my dad so saw Jimi Hendrix. Super cool. You know that's what I mean? Awesome. Like, right. right. That's like he has a picture from like he like one day when I was like in my twenties, my dad showed me this picture he had taken of Jimi Hendrix. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, I'm never gonna take a photo of something that good. Right. You're yeah. gonna have the guy with the Jamiroquai hat. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, Dad, I'll show you a JPEG of JK with a headdress. I was like, all right. I mean, my dad kind of likes Jamiroquai too, though. Sure. So maybe, yeah. maybe the headdress is all right. Like maybe we can know. I could just ask my dad, like, Dad, Jamiroquai hats, hot or not. Oh man. And then I'll I'll just tell you what he says, and then we can know. (laughs) (laughs) He'll be the authority. Yeah. Um, I I, I mean, if you guys are open to that. Yeah, sure. Sure. All right. Just bring him next time. (laughs) Okay. All right. Um, We'll get JK. (laughs) So, wait, so so from like learning guitar, right? Sure, yeah. Well, so I, I was obsessed with listening to music for like, 12 years before I actually started taking guitar lessons. Okay. That was another, that was another identity crisis. Cause I'd already decided that I was like the guy who understood like guitar playing from listening to it all the yeah. time. Uh-oh. And then I started playing and I was like, Oh, this is hard. And I don't know anything. <laughs> and that, that was like a conflict. I was like, fuck, yeah. I should have like either cared about this less or started sooner. <laughs> um, so, so that yeah. was, that was a crisis. Like I remember, um, I read some interview with Jimi Hendrix where he said like, Oh, that song was really easy. It was just the F chord to an A chord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like everything about the words of that sentence was like completely foreign to me. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I don't, I don't know what a chord is. I don't know what an F is. I don't know what an A is. And he's saying that was like the easy song. And I just remember feeling all this like shame, like washed over <laughs> me. That, like I listened to Jimi Hendrix on headphones and like looked at this picture in the CD. And that was all I did. Like yeah. I never actually yeah, yeah, got yeah. a guitar. I took lessons. This was all when I was like 12. So then I was like, well, maybe there's still time. You know, I could start learning guitar. And so then I did. And nice. that's how I started playing. And were you uh, in like rock bands initially? Yeah. Yeah. I was in, um, 
right. So I'd have been in fifth grade that like wow. lasted for one talent show. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, thanks. Yeah. You guys win? It, it wasn't a contest, Good. but I thought I thought we won. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was the fifth grade talent show, so it was like oh yeah, it's a talent show, right? Like a lot of people sucked, I thought, and I thought we were kind of good. So I, to my satisfaction, we won. Cool. Nice. And then in high school, I um, I, yeah, I was in I was in a band that kind of lasted for one talent show in high school, uh, and yeah, and then uh, so yes, and then I formed a band in college, and I'm forming a band now actually. Cool. Nice. Yeah, thank you. Um, where did you grow up? I grew up in uh, northern New Jersey. Okay. Like right over the George Washington Bridge. Like when Chris, yeah. there was that whole thing about Fort Lee. Yeah. And Chris, I'm not from Fort Lee, but I'm from the town that's like next to Fort Lee. It's like the same as Fort Lee kind of. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, cool. Yeah, yeah, I'm from there. So what kind of music were you listening to in high school then? Like other than Jimmy? Right. Okay. So it was like, it was, it was like the school of Jimi Hendrix yeah. and Van Halen and like all that. And then simultaneously, um, I got into like Chic, Prince, Stevie Wonder, Earth, Wind and Fire, like all that shit. I then somehow just noticed was like, I thought it was the same. I mean, specifically yeah. the thing that happened was like, I saw Prince perform and he played guitar and he just shredded. Yeah. He could shred. Yeah. And I remember thinking like, it's weird. Cause I was plugged in. To like classic rock world. Like I went to guitar camp. I read guitar world. I listened to Q1043. Like I was fanboy <laughs> number one yeah. of like Led Zeppelin, everything. And I remember thinking it was weird that no one ever said like Prince can rip. Like all, <laughs> like all that shit that you like that like <clears throat> Angus Young and Jimmy Payne, all the, all the yeah, shit yeah, yeah. those guys were doing, like Prince is like can do that. Um, yeah. So I remember seeing that and thinking like, that's weird that, I never saw Prince on like the cover of Guitar World and like Q1043 doesn't play Let's Go Crazy. That's weird. Yeah. Um, and around that time, I started thinking like maybe classic rock is kind of bullshit and it's this like small world and is like, it's kind of racist. That was the conclusion I came to. Um, and then at that point, I it became sort of a love-hate relationship with classic rock. Mm -hmm. Like I still love it, but like when I tell people about my taste, and then like, oh, so you like classic rock? I like, I like yeah. cringe. And I'm like, don't, don't say that or think that. Yeah. Because like, <laughs> to me, to me at this point, classic rock is like, you know, like the shitty Eric Clapton songs. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like Lay Down Sally's and that, like an Eric Clapton song. Yeah. Like to me, that's what I think of as classic rock. I don't think of Jump as classic rock. I sure. think of that as like the Sistine Chapel. That's like, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? That's like beyond. Yeah. yeah. I think of like, you know, um. Like Ted Nugent is classic rock. Like Leonard yeah. Skinner. Like yeah, those yeah. guys, like, you know, they can play, but I'm I'm a little bit um I'm maybe over it. I think I might yeah. be over it. Yeah. Well see, I I also listened to Q one oh four three growing up. Yeah. And uh yeah, it was always I felt like it was always like the same eight songs on the playlist. Yeah. Just on rotation. Uh but when I was up in Westchester a couple of weeks ago and the classic rock station was mostly just playing Green Day and Nirvana. Oh, that's weird. Because that, that makes you feel old. That's kind yeah. of Yeah. You know, those songs do not make sense next to like Sweet Home Alabama. No. Yeah, well, it's weird because like Nirvana was like kind of trying to end like yeah. the classic rock of the 80s. Right? There was like an opposition. Of, that's why it was valuable. It was like, I mean, if the, there yeah. was a time when I was younger when I like resented Nirvana for like ending Guns N' Roses. Mm -hmm. I was sure. like, I fucking love Guns N' Roses. But I see, I respect that now. I respect like the changing of the guard there. I, we have to do shit like that. Um, 
But it is still weird to now hear the guys that ended that be on the same radio station as the stuff they were ending. Yeah. So I think that's kind of weird. At, at a certain point, I switched to CBS FM. That became my radio yeah. station because like they would do some classic rock and they would play, you know, like Stevie Wonder. Like Q1043 mm-hmm. would play Stevie Ray Vaughan's cover of Superstition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that to me, like, look, Stevie Ray Vaughan is good. I'm like not gonna diss Stevie Ray Vaughan, <laughs> but like fuck Stevie Ray Vaughan. <laughs> like fuck for this, that. Like cover his or the in cover general? of Superstition is just like who, like why. I don't know if you've ever heard Superstition yeah. as it was yeah. recorded by Stevie Wonder. That's like great, right? Like mm-hmm. you don't need it's to me, it's a little bit like no one asked for that. Yeah. Like no one asked yeah. for Kenny G to like do his thing <laughs> yeah. on the Louis Armstrong record. We had the Louis Armstrong yeah. record. That was dope. Like people's, you know what I mean? So the Stevie Ravon cover that to me. I mean, I don't want to talk trash. Also, he's dead. <laughs> you know, he was, and he was good. Like he was good. And I yeah. get, I get, let me just say, let me just say, cause I don't want to be a hater. Cause I feel like at the end of the day, musicians, like we're all on the same mm-hmm. side. So sure. let me just say, there's probably some version of that where like Steve Ray Vaughan is a serious musician and him, his covering superstition was this like tribute from one musician to another, like jazz something. Yeah. It's like a jazz move. that's legitimate. So I'm just being cranky. <laughs> maybe, maybe that yeah, could be it. That sure. could be it. Yeah. That could be it. But on the other hand, I also just kind of feel like no one asked you to fuck with superstition. That recording was yeah. fucking perfect. Yeah. Your version is dumb. <laughs> I, so, so it's, it's interesting. Like that's the uh, story about Prince, right? Yeah. I had a similar realization at some point, I think later in high school where I was, I think I was watching the, uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Yeah, right. Is that what the it was, yeah, same that's what I'm saying. Right? Yeah. And so if anyone hasn't seen this, they're playing While My Guitar Gently Weeps. It's like some all-star cast of musicians. And uh, literally Prince is hidden in the shadows the entire show, yeah. like the entire song until the guitar solo. Yeah. They maybe flash him on camera once or twice up until that point. And he just steps out of the shadows, rips this guitar solo, and then throws his guitar in the air at the end of the song and walks off stage and someone catches it. Yeah, well, yeah. it's weird. Camera, you see, like, you, you don't know who catches it. You see it. it go up. I've like yeah. watched that like 40 times. Like you see it go up and you're like, yeah. oh, fuck. And then you're like waiting, like, okay, <laughs> something's going to happen now. And then nothing happens. Like you yeah. don't know. It could still be up there. Like yeah. it's a mystery yeah. what happened to the guitar. He's Prince. You just shot it into space. <laughs> yeah, so that, that I remember that. I remember being in high school, seeing that and just being like, WTF. Like, <laughs> but my, my, my like opinion of Prince really shifted at that point. And it wasn't bad before then. It was that same thing of like, oh, he's in that club. I didn't, how did I not know that before? Yeah. yeah. Um, Cause like I had, I remember I grew up and I had an aunt and uncle who loved Prince. Yeah. And so I just, in my mind, I was like, yeah, he does this thing over here. Right. Exactly. And then you have exactly. all of these other kind of like rock idols over here. Yes. Um, But then I remember the same time, it, it also started to make me think of like, the way, uh, like, I grew up loving and adoring Michael Jackson. Oh, he same, was, yeah, same, yeah. Uh, uh, huge for me. Yeah. And thinking about, like, the guitar solos that he would include in his songs, and I think I used to think of them as novelty, sort of, and then I realized that it's like, oh, that's just him kind of, like, reaching across that line again. Oh, to yeah, show right, that These right. things are more similar than yes. maybe you realize, you know? For sure. Yeah, well, so one of those is Eddie Van Halen, yeah. which is cool. Yeah. Van Halen I, I mean, does I love one. that Slash solo. does a big one. Oh, yeah, right. Slash does the one in black or white. Yeah. Yeah, see, black or white is like, to me, that's like almost so good. (laughs) 
like the main, like that's just the hook for the ages, right? But then there are like a couple big red flags in that song. There's a rap that's really bad. That rap's really bad. But that was in the era, that was in the era where almost every marketable song, like on the top of the charts, had a rap verse. I get it. But we are talking about like the king of pop. Like if anyone's going to know a little bit better, like it could be the, it could be that genius, right? (laughs) So there's this rap that's, and it's about multiculturalism. Yeah, and he had. That's what I the believe, rap is. I about. believe in the music video, he had Macaulay Culkin lip sync it. It did, yes, that's right. <laughs> he had Macaulay Culkin lip sync it, and then also there's um, there's some other things about that track I didn't love. There's like some bad like techno guitar tones in it. Mm. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Beginning. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't love that. But um, no, but yeah, I love Michael Jackson too. When I, when I was a kid, I remember this. I asked my mom one day, like you asked your mom, like what a word means. I asked my mom what charisma meant. Mm. I don't know why I remember this, but I said, what is the meaning of the word charisma? And she, my mom said, charisma is the quality that Michael Jackson has. That is like the thing. It's like when you look at Michael Jackson, you're like, what is that? That The name for that thought is charisma. <laughs> that's a really good explanation. Yeah, I know. I, I think that's why I remember it. But anyway, so, <laughs> yeah, that's- so ever since then, it's like I sort of... Um, like my dad got me into Jimi Hendrix and mm-hmm. I credit my mom with like understanding Michael Jackson. So yeah. Uh, yeah, right. So I love Michael Jackson too. But I felt like like um people understood that Michael Jackson was the king of pop. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. He was like pop star number one. That's what Michael Jackson is. We have this thing called pop music. The king of that is Michael Jackson. And then Prince was a little bit, I mean, I think this is bullshit, but for some reason people seem to have a hard time understanding like what club Prince belongs to, like you yeah. were saying. Right. I mean, Absolutely. to me, it's not that hard. We could just say that he's like, you know, the king of all of it. Right. But um, <laughs> yes. Right. But that was weird. And I remember when yeah. I sort of noticed that, assuming as I still kind of believe to this day that it's basically racist. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I like I was at I would say when I was at that age, one, I had no understanding, I think, about like the social implications of what clubs people belong to. Right. You know what I mean? Um but then at the same time, it's like I was super into putting stuff in boxes, like genres. Oh, sure, me and, too. And yeah, me like, too. Yeah, I wanted to hyphenate every genre like three times yeah. so that <laughs> I could categorize it appropriately in my CD rack. And, yeah. Um, and it's it's just very silly. I think like looking back on it, uh, yeah, it just feels yeah. dumb, <laughs> right? <laughs> sure, yeah, because yeah, it doesn't sure. matter. If you like it, you like it. If it's good, yeah, enjoy it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I also, I just also found myself kind of thinking like, um, yeah, the same, it's like you guys already said, like when you're just listening to a cool pop song, there's this like soaring feeling that to me was kind of what I liked about guitar music in the beginning mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. And then I just decided like, it's, it, that's just the same thing. Yeah. yeah. There was, um, what was it? some member of the press asked Eric Clapton what it felt like to be the best guitar player. And he just goes, I don't know, ask Prince. Yeah, I, like, I, I read that uh, that's not true, actually. Oh, really? It might be true. Let's say it's true. But I read- We an, have uh, no way to know. I read an article that said that wasn't true. But I love that. I mean, yeah. part, well, actually though, I, I medium love it. Because a part of that story is like, yeah, it's cool that Prince is the best guitar player in the world. But part of that story is also like, you know who would know is Eric Clapton. And I a sure. little bit, I don't love that part. I feel like, look, Eric Clapton is good. I mean, I do the same thing I did before. It's like, I don't want to disrespect this sure. guy. He's good. But I also just feel like, like, seriously, like, why, why are you still really talking about Eric Clapton? Like, yeah. I don't give a fuck anymore. And like, 
No, Eric, I think some of those think, songs are just so fucking stupid. Eric Clapton yeah. has distanced maybe like more guitar fans in his career than any other person. Is that fair? I guess. I, I mean, look. So obviously, Cream was good and like important. Yeah. yeah. And then I personally, I still think Layla like is mm-hmm. incredible. Like the beginning of Layla is like one of those like pure ejaculation moments <laughs> of just like <laughs> just perfection. The yeah. end of I used the end of Layla in my wedding. That was like mm-hmm. the aisle music. So like I can't really talk trash better. Sure. Clapton. Sure. But a part of me just kind of feels like, listen, dude, if you're going to say that, like, lay down Sally, like, that's an idea that I'm supposed to take seriously, like, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to do it. Like, yeah. I just, I don't know what the fuck you're, in the, what world, in what world, in what yeah. world. Yeah. The song I usually reference at the top of this show as an example is uh, Wonderful Tonight by yeah, Clapton. Because yeah, also as a, problematic. Because <laughs> as, a, <clears throat> as a 13-year-old, it was, like, the sappiest love song I could think of, you know? And that's, like... That's not guitar god status or cool blues guy status or anything like that. Well, yeah, right. Yeah, it's yeah. like also, really far away from also, him. Yeah, um, yeah. I just think there's like a dipshit quality. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, like when my mom was like, "Okay, so charisma is like the Michael Jackson." Like to me, like there's this dipshit quality <laughs> that like. I don't know how to explain it except like <laughs> when you listen to Wonderful Tonight, the yeah. name for the thing that's like just washing <laughs> over you that is then like on you afterwards. It's like, please get this off me. I just call that the dipshit quality. So <laughs> yeah. I get, some people love that. Yeah, I, yeah, a lot totally. of people love it. And I I might be wrong. They might be right. Maybe maybe there's this like understated, you know, profound grace <laughs> like this like <laughs> profound courage. Like people talk about like the profound bravery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe wonderful tonight is that I might have missed it. <laughs> That's possible. Maybe I, yeah. I'll still try to be open to that. But in the meantime, I just feel like get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that's as good of a note to close our interview. I think on. so. Okay. Um, so we're gonna just gonna refinagle the stage a little bit so that uh, we you can play some music. For okay. Us. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Ivan Anderson. All right, so I'll do I'll do the jump imagine mashup first. Yeah. Starts on major seven, super scary. Okay. All right. Are you guys good? Gets me down. You got it tough. I seen the toughest around. And I know, baby, just how you feel. You got to roll with the punches to get to what's real. So can't you see me standing here? I got my back against the record machine. I ain't the worst that you've seen. Can't you see what I mean? You might as well jump. Get it and jump. Go ahead and jump. Get it and jump. I see you, baby. How you been? You don't know, you won't know until you dig in. 
So can't you see me standing here? I got my back against the record machine. I ain't the worst that you've seen. Or can't you see what I mean? Might as well jump. Get it and jump. Get it and jump. Go ahead and jump. Get it and jump. Go ahead and jump. Okay, so uh, last one. This will be an original song. This is called Let's Pretend. Baby, I know you look back. 
maybe it wasn't all bad. Now and then we could try again. No, we could just pretend. Not gonna say that we should. Like it would do us much good. No defense for false pretense, but why can't we just pretend and make believe for another day? You know it's easier anyway. Can always lead the way. Ivan Anderson is a musician and songwriter living in Queens, New York, and he's currently between projects. Of course, we'll let you know as soon as he has new music for you. But in the meantime, I guess you could just Google him. Google, man. It's a powerful thing. And this was just a delight. I know. Ivan was so into that mashup, and I got to admit, it was a pretty great one. I wonder what the next big mashup will be. Maybe it'll be a song Ivan writes and a spoken word track that we record in our apartment. Probably not, but maybe. Until next time, hit repeat. Evan, put a shirt on. Repeater is hosted by Evan Forbarden and Patrick Cartelli at QED in Astoria, Queens, a place to show and tell. Find out more at qedastoria.com. Our show is supported in part by Hi-Fi Records and Cafe in Astoria. Visit them from wherever you are at hi-fi-records.com. Editing by Stephen Garvey. Theme music by The Sun Lions. Everything else by Love Nest Productions. Welcome to Repeater.